Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire, and welcome to round four of the FA Cup, Kieran. Yes, yes, we uh, we, we both uh, went the goal down against championship clubs and, and yeah. came back to win 2-1, so uh, an away day in the FA Cup is, is memorable, um, and I've got to say... Uh, we had a fantastic day out in in West Brom because there's there's a pub near the ground called the Vine, and it does that, yeah. the greatest kebabs and chicken tikkas on the planet, yes. uh, and everybody piles in there before the match, uh, and uh, yeah, we we then just go and watch the football, which as as you know, for, you know, football day is. Uh, it's a great day out with your mates. Normally spoiled by ninety minutes of football, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, happy with the result. Well, you've got some extra minutes of football for your money, and at least your day <laughs> out was memorable. At least your day out was memorable for good reasons, other than I, I went to bed last night with the sound of police dogs barking in oh, my no. ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like a, it, it's like stepping out of a TARDIS. You think Doctor Who's taking me back to nineteen seventy nine? This is not this is not pleasant. Um, should we do this, Kieran? Yes, let's. Let's do this. Yes, let's, enough of the pleasant chit chat about away days, and let's hope we don't get each other in the draw <laughs> for the cup. So I'm, I'm already nervous about Friday. It's only Monday morning now, and I'm nervous about Friday night. It's it's questions day, Kieran, but we do have a couple of big stories. Um, one of them potentially very big, and you'd think good news, but some people not entirely delighted. But Mike Ashley, it seems, is genuinely interested in buying Derby County. Yes, and yeah, th- this. This rumour has been swirling around for a few weeks. Um, we, we've spoken to some of our friends who are a bit closer <clears throat> to the story than, than, than the likes of themselves, and, and they've confirmed that, yes, it's uh, it, it definitely has some legs. Um, what we've seen at Derby is the administrators before Christmas said um, they were going to announce a preferred bidder mm. imminently. Well, it's... It's now the tenth of January. Now that, that that to me is not imminently from pre-Christmas. Mm. Um, there were, I think, two parties. One was a guy called Chris Kirchner, who was a seemed to be a bit of a, a Donald Trump fanboy, who was conducting the his his negotiations partly through social media, which, which I don't think is a is a very sensible way to do it. Yeah, it, it does yeah. smack of Eric Alonso, Mark II. <laughs> he he, uh, he pulled out. Um, there's been a lot of talk also about um, a deal uh, headed by a guy called Andy Appleby, who used to be, I think he used to be the chairman of the club, and that would involve him with Sam Rush, who's the, the former chief executive, who was then sacked for gross misconduct at Derby mm, mm. and reached some form of settlement. He's also involved historically with an agency called uh, Was- Wasserman or Wasserman, um, and for, uh, for for people that listen to the, the the show regularly, I believe he was the chief executive uh, at the time of the the legendary uh, paying a certain player's mother seven hundred grand to be um, an academy scout. So I think that might have been uh, linked to uh, some some of his falling out with uh, with Mel Morris. Tom um, Ince, we can we can say it, Kieran. Tom Ince, Tom Ince. Okay. I mean, I mean, it was us that put it in the public domain. So I think I think we're entitled to keep telling, <laughs> reminding people who, who the player was and who his mother was. Yeah. So yeah. So, but it, it's, certainly, Sky Sports seem to think that the Mike Ashley story is 
is a genuine one. They're, they're reporting a figure of between 50 and 60 million pounds. Does that sound right? It, it does. Um, I, I've heard that Mike Ashley is striking a really hard bargain. So it's likely to be at the lower of that particular range. Um, and if he does get, uh, if he does get the club for for fifty million, I think the problem there is going to be is that under EFL rules, you have to pay all of the football creditors in full. Mm. You mm. then have to pay um, all of what's referred to as the preferential creditors in full. So that will be the, any people of outstanding loans, which is secured as mortgages, so that can be linked to MSD Holdings. Um, and also HMRC. Now, it looks as if uh, the administrators are trying to negotiate some form of haircut with HMRC to say, if the club goes into liquidation, you're only going to get 30%, so we'll offer you 50 or 60, um, and that will give them a bit more leeway. Um, I suspect HMRC will be encouraged to take a, uh, a harsh view on this because they will feel that if they if they if they set a precedent for giving a football club a discount on what's owed, and ultimately remember this money is owed by the taxpayer. This yeah. money was was collected from football players and was collected from all of the employees of Derby County Football Club by Mel Morris, uh, yeah, by Mel, you know by by the people he and that money was then then not paid across to uh, to, the, yeah. to the taxpayer. So, um, yeah, the, the, I think it's, it's a very sensitive issue. And you also have to pay all of the unsecured creditors, the the people that supplied Mel Morris's Derby County in good faith mm. uh, for goods and services. And certainly my experience of dealing with insolvency work, but also dealing with football work, is that a lot of local creditors will have given the club a bit of extra leeway because, hey, you know, it's Derby, it's Mel, uh, we love the club ourselves. So, you know, when normally perhaps they would have asked the solicitor to have chased the money a lot uh, earlier when, when it was outstanding, they, they didn't do so because they didn't want to put pressure on the club. So, um, if, if those people are not paid, uh, and they've got, to, they've got to be paid at least 25% under EFL rules, then there is a further 15-point penalty. Now, right. could the EFL waive that? Potentially they could, but I think they would be under huge pressure from other clubs to not do that, given that historically other clubs who have come out of administration, the people who have bought them, and we take the case of Bolton Wanderers, for example, their new owners have had to work really hard to to pay off the unsecured creditors there, 25%. They'll turn around and say, well, you know, we've worked our ass off to do this. Mm. Why is Mike Ashley, who, let's let's be honest, is is a very wealthy man, what, why is he not having to do this? Um, so it could be that Mike Ashley might take the view that He's if he's if he's looking at, at Derby County and Mike Ashley's a very smart businessman. I know he's unpopular in in, in in Newcastle. We fully understand the reasons why. He's equally unpopular in in half of Glasgow because of things that he's done in respect of Rangers. Um, but he knows how to lowball uh, in, in terms of prices. He might see the fifteen point penalty as something being worth taking because if it saves him x million pounds and it puts back derby county one year in terms of his long-term plans for the club he 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 might feel that that's a price worth paying um but so sorry kira so you you don't think by the tone of your voice that there's any possibility that if mike ashley bought derby county he would just pay off 
the unsecured creditors. I mean, bearing in mind he's got a spare 360 million quid odd from Newcastle, would, would it not make any sense at all for him to just pay the, the five million, six million pound it's going to take? Um, it, it, it could be. I mean, he might it, because the, the, the financial benefit of, uh, you know, if, if Derby County are in the championship, the the difference between League One and the Championship in terms of TV money is worth five or six million. So, to a certain extent, it's it's as broad as it's long. Um, right. And so, uh, but then there's you know he's he he will have worked out the sums. Um, right. It, it makes far more sense for Derby County to be in the Championship. You know, and we, and we have to acknowledge there's a pretty high chance of them getting relegated this season but what they don't want is an additional season in league one um because they have to go and pay a 15 point penalty yeah. uh, but, but and also league one is is an absolute beast of a division now yeah. because yeah. you've got Sunderland there Portsmouth Ipswich yeah. Charlton Sheffield Wednesday there's a lot of big big clubs in that division so um if people think it's just a 12-month holiday in League One, a chance to increase the number of grounds we've visited as mm. away fans. Don't do that. Yeah, just think how long Sunderland have been there. Um, yeah, and, and Kieran, regardless of Mike Ashley's unpopularity at Newcastle, and we know how he goes about his business, sh- surely this is good news for Derby fans, though, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's interesting that there are one or two already saying, I'd rather not be saved by Mike Ashley, but you want the club saved and secure, don't you? Whether it's by... Somebody like Mike Ashley or or, or Mother Teresa, who's yes. which is I mean, very unlikely for several reasons, but you know what I mean. Yes, because the other alternative is liquidation. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, and and you know, you know, in Mike Ashley, he's he's a man who has the money to save the club and to keep the club going, and and will you know will keep it. He, you know, he might not spend money on the ground, but he'll keep the club chugging along until such time as he can make a profit on it. That's yeah. got and, to be a good thing, isn't it? I, and I, I, I think that is the case. I mean, you know, he made money out of Newcastle. Um, he has made money out of many of his other businesses. He, he he knows a distressed asset when he sees one. He can see the potential in mm. Derby County. Um, you won't be getting marquee signings. Um, but, you know, the, the, certainly I, I would say I've been sort of monitoring this on social media. The vast majority of uh, Derby County fans are, are taking a pragmatic view. Of course. Um, you know, after three or four years of Mel Morris, who decided to gamble with the future of the club, and when things when he lost that gamble, he didn't do the decent thing. He walked away. Uh, yeah, Mike, Mike, yeah. I, I don't think Mike Ashley will do that. I mean, he, for all of his unpopularity at Newcastle, he lent the club £111 million interest-free, mm. and uh, he made sure that the bills were paid. Now, he's, he's, as you said, he spent absolutely nothing on the infrastructure of the club. Um, fans were getting fed up in terms of the, the, the recruitment policy, but they were still in the Premier League, and... You know, they ironically they they actually became very attractive to a new owner because they inherited a club that had huge leeway in terms of what it could could then spend in terms of uh, new players coming in because they they were such a strong position from an FFP perspective. Yeah, now I I think this other news story is good news, Kieran. But we've learned from experience that there are a couple of splinter groups in Bury. It's it's all very life of Brian at the moment up there. Um, who may not think it's good news, but the Berry Supporters Group, um, EST 1885, say they've bought Gig Lane and the club's name. Yes, I, I think 
you know, my view, this is this is fantastic news. Good. Um, because um, I think it's partly there's some money come from a levelling up fund. Um, there is an individual benefactor. We're aware of who it is. We're not going to say who it is. We don't think that's right and proper. You know, the most important thing is uh, contracts have been exchanged, is our understanding. Um, also, the uh, I think the Club 1885 people, they've been given a licence which will allow them to start cleaning up gig lane so they're starting to look for volunteers on on a, you know, on a weekend basis and so on right. and hey folks yeah if, if you want to do something good for berry football club or the future of berry uh, and football go along and, and lend a hand you know that you'll, you'll be amongst good people um so it looks as if the stadium has been sold the name has been sold the memorabilia have been sold where they sleeves the Phoenix Club, Splinter Club, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah, AFC, they're, they're presently playing at Tier 10 of football. They're getting amazing crowds. They're taking eight or 900 to away games. Yeah, this yeah, is for yeah. – so, you know, again, hats off to them. I, I think whilst there are some people who are taking a very, very harsh stance in terms of one for the other – I think probably at a more senior level, we will see a degree of pragmatism from from both parties. Realistically, Berry would struggle to support two clubs. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's it's a town of limited size. It's surrounded by yeah, some pretty monstrous clubs, um, and um, it, it's I think it's in, it's in the long term interest. So um, I, I suspect there will be a few olive branches uh, announced. Oh, sorry, so a few olive branches uh, extended. People will start to get together, and whatever is in the best long term interest. So, yeah, we we don't know what the the Newberry Football Club will will be able to do in terms of it will be applying to play in certain leagues. If that's at a higher tier than AFC Berry, it could be that they they move in together. Or if it's at mm. a lower tier, then effectively AFC Berry or Berry AFC. Um, Move in themselves, so yeah, I, I think it's 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 really good news. Um, I'm, I'm delighted for for those, those people. So yeah, I, I, w- I went to the town hall meetings um, at Berry, and and it was one of it was it was from an outsider's point of view, it was just so so distressing. It was it was like yeah. watching a a funeral um, yeah. of somebody that you didn't know, and and people were in a, in a great state of shock at the time. Yeah, to coin a phrase that you only taught me on the last pod, ITK, uh, <laughs> you, you say that you say that we are ITK about this um, individual benefactor. I am not ITK, so you'll have to tell me who that is <laughs> off air. Right. Um, and I believe there was, is there a, a report from the administrators at Berry? Is that right? Yes. So this is uh, Stephen Wiseglass who who was appointed, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I've been. Uh, I've been a bit circumspect about him historically, uh, given given his record. But he, he seems he he seems to have done a a certainly on the basis of his report, it seems to be thorough. Um, there's there's a few unusual things that he's reported. It, it looks as if Berry have creditors of around about twelve and a half million pounds. Uh, I've got to be honest, the, the chances of them getting any money are, are between mm. yeah, they're slim and zero, and slims out of yeah. town. It's it's one of those situations. Um, but reading his report, um, there were a couple of things which caused eyebrows, and I'll hold on to yours here, Kevin, eyebrows to be raised. So it said in in, in the last few games of uh, 
of Berry taking place at Gig Lane. Um, some reason the the club appeared to move to a cash only uh, approach for Uh-oh. gate receipts. Um, and I, th- I think he's I think he's in his words he's investigating further as to why that <laughs> happened. Right, um, okay. And also, when he's tried to establish, you know, if you are administrator, the day that you're appointed, you take control of all of that limited company's assets. And, and, I, and I certainly know from my own experience of doing this, you know, that, that can be, that's quite a, a challenging job. Um, he said that a, a certain number of assets appeared to have been, and in, I quote, uplifted from the training ground. Oh, now, who's uplifted them? Why they were uplifted? How they were uplifted? We don't know. Uncle Terry's not been in the Berry area recently, is he? <laughs> well, it, it it sounds straight from the the Uncle Uncle Terry uh, management model uh, management <laughs> manual. So uh, uh, yes, I, I, yeah, we, we don't know who's done this, so we're not going to point any fingers. Uh, but no, of course think, not. Uh, now we yeah, we're not that type of people. That'd be cynical of us. No, no, but you have clearly implied by the tone of your voice who we think it is, but. Um, the cash turnstile thing is interesting. One of the more enjoyable parts is when we were on the train, obviously train packed with Palace fans going up to South Bermondsey, and there was a bloke explaining to his young son, he said, no, no, in the old days, you just went to the turnstile, you gave the bloke a fiver, and he let you in. And this kid couldn't, he couldn't get his head around the idea that you just paid cash. You just turned up. Didn't have to download anything or go to a website, or but you just turned up and you gave the bloke a fiver, or you so, gave him or, six quid and you and two of your yeah, mates went in. Exactly, yeah. If you, especially if you knew him. So let's get on to the questions, Kieran. We have some very good questions today. Uh, two in particular that got me thinking quite a lot, actually, um, which with my attention span is a remarkable feat. Um, the first question is from Will Grieve, and Will says, once a release clause is met by the buying club. Are the selling club able to negotiate any additional clauses, such as a sell-on fee, or are they unable to do so if a release clause has already been activated? It would depend upon the nature of the wording in the release clause itself. The release clause normally allows, um, if a suitable offer comes in, for the two parties, i.e. the player and the buying club, to formally talk to each other. Now, we, we know from talking to agents is that the the buying club and the player will already have talked to each other or you know because what, what's the point in putting in a bid for a player if he's if he's or she's completely settled where they are um so that would normally allow the formalities to go through I think it actually would be quite difficult for um a a, a selling club to negotiate additional clauses because otherwise, yeah, let, let's say that there's a player who you don't want to let go. He's got a release clause of £30 million in his contract. If you then say, well, after he pays plays five games for the next club, you've got to pay us another £30 million, it effectively scuppers the deal. So um, on, on that basis, and, and you know, I think we, you know, I'm sure some of the agents that listen to the show will correct us if we're wrong. I, I would say that the release clause really puts all of the eggs in the basket into the that that one particular fee. Um, it, it could be that you might be able to negotiate extra amounts for um, not necessarily. Um, playing matches but uh for it, it could be a, an add-on if the, if, if, the, if the player is sold on that that's a little bit feasible if they win if they win trophies that is feasible but um i think it would be it'd be quite challenging because you've already committed yourself to say to the player 
um, if you if you sign this contract, um, we we will pay you X thousand pounds per week, and we will allow you to leave if somebody pays us thirty million pounds for your registration, not thirty million plus an extra ten million for this, an extra ten million for that, and mm. so on. Because from the player's point of view, especially if he's, if he's a very good player, if, uh, if if the buying club get him for a relatively low fee then his agent will be aware of that and will try to put that into wage negotiations. Our next question, Kieran, comes from James Brooks, and it introduced a concept that I found really interesting, and I think it's a really good question. And James says, football is currently treated as a business subject to the free market, like any other business, with limited financial regulation. However, The market differs significantly from others in that brand loyalty is so exclusive it prevents supporters or customers, in inverted commas, moving between clubs. If one supermarket puts up their prices, I go to another. If my club Chesterfield put up prices, I can't go down the road and watch Mansfield Town. And he uh, has put asterisks instead of letters for most of Mansfield Town, which I applaud. Um, Surely there's a case for financial regulation of football uh, on the grounds that the market is distorted by the extreme brand loyalty of its customers um, and while we're talking about Chesterfield Kieran that was one of the highlights of the FA Cup weekend seeing their 5,000 fans at Chelsea going absolutely crazy when they scored a goal right yes. at the end that was that was proper FA Cup experience but this is something I've not it's just not occurred to me before but James is absolutely right it's you've got almost 100% brand loyalty so that's a does that make a case for financial regulation it, it it certainly does, and this is one of the this is one of the effective uh, conclusions reached by Tracy Crouch's report in that football is unique. Um, you know, in in theory, you have a choice of a dozen clubs to go and watch each week in London. Yeah, but there's only one you're ever going to support. There's only one I'm ever going to. Yeah, you know, I I lived in Manchester for forty years of my life. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know, in the in the eyes of most people, I'm a complete idiot for for supporting Brighton <laughs> for doing that. Yeah, you know, all that period. But for me, yeah, yeah, when talking to a football fan, they they fully understand. Of course, um, and and other yeah, you know, other yeah, you know, yeah, you know, a bank or a uh, a phone phone operator, they would give their eye teeth for our brand loyalty mm. to mm. that particular product it, it's hardly it's, it's not given in practically anything else yeah, even even if you even if you if you like a pint or if you smoke or something you you would change brands if uh, if if somebody came in and offered offered a discount on on what you're presently paying but there's you know if, if somebody offered you a free season ticket at Millwall or Charlton or Brighton you just you just completely blank them and rightly so it's 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 a non-issue um, mm. So, on the basis of that, it, it, because we are effectively a football is is the nearest thing to twenty to, to religion in the twenty first century. For you know, you know, we are a secular society. Um, it, it does need some form of protection and some form of regulation, in my opinion, um, and in the opinion of Tracy Crouch, uh, who who wrote the report, and and the vast majority of of the the people that she spoke to who were of course from football clubs or sorry from football club supporters themselves um mm. and yeah in, in an ideal world we, we would have owners who we could trust and we would have regulation that we could trust from the industry itself but it, it simply it's it simply hasn't been the case in in the way that things have worked out um and, and that's where we are uh, today so yeah i'm i'm completely 
um, in alignment with James here that uh, you know, self-regulation self, self is like self-abuse. It, make, it makes you very short-sighted. And, uh, and that's what we've seen from the football industry over the course of the last few years. And, and therefore, it needs somebody to, to take control of the industry. That's a good Catholic boy speaking there, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> the reason we wear glasses, Kieran, is because we're middle-aged men. It's nothing to do with anything else. I think, you know what, the only, other, the only other brand loyalty I could think of that compares is pretty much pubs. If, so, if somebody said to us, why don't we meet in another pub other than the Porson's Arms before a Palace game, we would all just look at them and go, what, what, what? you know, why? What, why, would we, why would we do that? It's, yeah. it, but, you know... Um, and they don't quite exploit us as much as football clubs do, but they're, they're close sometimes. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. This next question uh, comes from Villa Lagerstedt. Uh, apologies if I've mangled that pronunciation. Um, and it's about a topic that we have talked about a lot, but this historical context, I think, makes it an interesting question. As Villa says, he listened to an interview with Sven Joran Eriksson recently, and he talked about his time at Notts County, which, again, that's that's a question you'd get wrong and pointless, isn't it? Um, uh, and Villa says that Sven said he received an offer and a challenge that he couldn't refuse by two gentlemen. And these two gentlemen said they would invest as much as was required to bring the club up to the Premier League. Now, as we know, things didn't go to plan, and they did not. Uh, has there been any development since then when it comes to background checks done on new owners or investors? And how do these new checks work exactly? I think the answer is probably... There hasn't been that much progress, has there? Um, I, I, I think there has been a degree of progress because if we, if we, for people not familiar with the story, uh, Notts County were acquired in 2009 by a company called Munto Finance. Mm. And this was shortly after the takeover of Manchester City. So, so at the time, um, Notts County were in the lower leagues. And having seen all of the money that went into Manchester City, there was a degree of giddiness, I think it's fair to say, amongst Notts County fans. Um, the, the club at the time was owned by the Supporters Trust. Um, I think they perhaps didn't do as much due diligence as perhaps they could have done. But, but given the circumstances, you know, you, you, you do take people in, in terms of good faith. Um, I think there there is an assumption amongst practically every football fan that – Anybody from the Middle East is a billionaire, yeah, and and you know that that simply isn't the case. Um, and and then once you started to dig into Munto Finance a little bit 
more deeply. You found that it was a Swiss-owned company called Quadbank that was involved. That was based in the British Virgin Islands. As soon as I see BVI, Cayman Islands, Isle of Man, yeah, whatever it's going to be, um, these these type of places, I, I start to get a little bit twitchy. Now, there are some good companies there, but you know, why, if you're going to be based in Nottingham, why are you going to be? Uh, have, why do you have to go and do do your operations out of BVI? Um, mm. And I think one of the guys involved in theory was a guy called Anwar Shafi, and he went, or rather, he was quoted on the Notts County website saying, "We've got we've got amazing plans for Notts County. Um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to yeah, we're going to bring in." Uh, yeah, they sacked the manager. They brought in Sven Goran Eriksson. Uh, they brought in Sol Campbell as a player. Um, I think his 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 contract was cancelled by mutual agreement uh, after a few matches. Mm. Um, uh, I think the politest thing we can say is he didn't acclimatise to League Two, um, <laughs> and League Two didn't acclimatise to him. Um, and in terms of this uh, this guy called Anwar Shafi, who I think is quite a wealthy individual, he, he then he then popped up and said. Uh, this, these comments on the club website, these have not been made by me. I don't know where they've come from. Uh. Um, this is this is not this is not true. And then things started to unravel, and, and very quickly it, it turned out that um, it looks like these new owners, for want of a better word, they they quickly managed to rack up around about £7 million worth of debt. There were some mysterious payments of around about £200,000 to people in Bahrain, which have never really got to the bottom of. Uh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps they've been used to, to buy some of the memorabilia of Berry Football Club, for all we know. Um, but uh, I think it was issues of this nature which led to the um what we now have as the owners and directors test and those those rules have gradually become more beefed up so so now there is a you know we've always said that there's two types of checks first of all is there any evidence of unspent criminal convictions in relation to the people involved and secondly, what what uh, the, the football authorities are now demanding is we want to see evidence that you have the resources to to fund the club. Now, though, those were not in place in two thousand and nine. Could those background checks be more onerous? Um, I think they they could be, but you would need football clubs themselves to vote through the changes. And turkeys don't vote for Christmas. You know, what if if I was if I was the owner of a football club? And remember, we've just seen. Southampton be sold um why make it more difficult for me to sell the football club to somebody mm. else because if I'm, if I'm trying to get it off my hands uh I, yeah I just want the money um and, and to a large extent I'm not overly fussed as to who buy it yeah you know, I don't want it to go to somebody bad but yeah that that's that's not going to be my problem in the future so so the, the rules have been beefed up could they be beefed up further yes they could but I don't I don't think there's any appetite for that from club owners Mm. Our next question, Kieran, I think is the perfect price of football <laughs> question because it starts with a very intelligent question and ends with a crazy conspiracy theory. It's perfect. <laughs> and, and he, that's always going to get asked. If, if you're wondering why your question's not been asked, tag on a crazy conspiracy theory and you will undoubtedly get asked or make it about football kits from the 1970s. That will always be asked. But <laughs> it comes from Henry Bishop. And it is a, a, it is a very interesting question. Uh, Henry Bishop says, in the Euros, 
Eight of the 15 knockout matches went to extra time, with four of those matches going to penalties. Other games like Dinamo Zagreb v Tottenham and the Man United Villarreal final in this season's Europa League also went beyond the 90 minutes. Now, did the sponsors, whose adverts were shown more times during these matches, pay any more money? And if yes, when does this get paid? If no, then would UEFA, FIFA, etc. want more games in their tournaments to go to extra time to let sponsors have more advertising for the same amount of money? And would this have had anything to do with UEFA abolishing the away goals rule in club competitions? So Superb. UEFA, did UEFA abolish the away goals rule so sponsors weren't getting more value for money? But the, the first part, it's, very, it's a very interesting question because the sponsors are getting possibly 45 minutes more advertising time, aren't they? They, they are. Um, what what does happen is that sponsors do pay bonuses for progress in terms of competitions, um, and that that progress is actually linked to you know do we qualify for the semi-finals, the finals, win the competition, and so on. Um, in terms of the uh, additional broadcasting time, um, uh, the the broadcasters do not pay additional fees to UEFA and FIFA. They negotiate a set fee in advance. Now they know from history that you know, on average thirty percent of games will go into extra time, fifteen percent of games will go into go to penalties, and and FIFA and UEFA know that too. So. So in some competitions, it will go above the expected. You know, ex- expected. You know, we, we've got XG for goals. Well, we've got you know XXT for expected extra time as well, and and that would have been factored into uh, the, the the negotiations at the times when the two parties got together. So there, there will not be additional money paid just because you know two semi-finals and a final go into uh, right. extra time and penalties. It that that's just a bonus for the broadcasters, yeah, because you know clearly they've they've got more more adverts that they can now fill in. Um, although they would argue that, you know, if, if I'm ITV and, and I'm broadcasting a World Cup match, we're still going to show the news at 10 at 10 o'clock. What we're not going to do is have, we'll have five minutes of Roy Keane and Ian Wright discussing the match instead of 45. But, yeah, we were still planning yeah. to run adverts. So so they say we, we might get a bit of extra money, but we're not, we're not actually going to get a lot because people already paid for those slots. Um so I, I don't I, I don't see any additional money coming in. Um, and again, the front of shirt sponsors for uh, for the UEFA competitions. By the UEFA competitions, we're talking Champions League, Conference, Europa League, and so on. Those fees will have been agreed in advance. E- extra time wouldn't have been factored in. In terms of Henry's um, it, fantastic, I think it's a fantastic question. Um, trying to link it to the abolishment of the away goals rule, that's actually come from um, FIFA and uh, and especially UEFA's technical committees. They realise that the style of play being played these days, um, if, if, if you go back historically, why was the away goals rule initially introduced? It was because in the first leg of matches, um, clubs were just turning up and, and parking the bus. And it, and it wasn't actually very attractive. You know, you you were ten men behind the ball from the first minute. You you try to get a nil nil and then take them back to your place. What we now see is that home clubs actually see a nil nil home draw in the first leg. They actually quite like that because they know that mm. they they only had to score one goal in the second leg. Uh, to, to so so therefore FIFA, uh, UEFA say that we're going to abolish that because we we want to see more attacking football. Mm. Um, Dan Jones is a man. 
I have taken a liking to. <laughs> I don't know Dan, but I like him. He's a he's a good man. Dan, you're a good man. Dan's question is uh, on Crawley's, uh, otherwise known as Sussex Sussex's Premier. That's harder to say than I thought. <laughs> otherwise known as Sussex's Premier Club, Sussex's. That's it. I, yeah, uh, yes, Crawley, as Dan says, Sussex's Premier Club. On their latest set of accounts, we made a modest profit, but this appeared to be due to debts being written off. In the long term, is it better for the financial health of the club to post profits due to written off debts or losses without? Um, I like Crawley. I had a really, really good night out there a couple of years ago when my cousin was playing for Whitehawk and they played Crawley in the Sussex Senior Cup. Um, uh-huh. We had a lovely evening. It was very nice, very friendly, nice bar. Um, but anyway, it's a, good, it's a good question, Kieran. Yeah, have you seen the uh, the Sussex match, which has gone viral, where they the five red cards and no? So, so, oh, I'll 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 link up. If anybody's not seen this on YouTube, uh, it, this is this is proper park football oh, um, at uh, at sort of semi pro level, and so some of the tackles you go, Jesus Christ, what are they trying to do? It was yeah, it was people was clear, clear. I think I think scores were being settled. Um, <laughs> in a way that Uncle Terry would approve of. <laughs> anyway, let, let's remind ourselves of Dan's question. Is it better for the financial health of Crawley to post profits due to written off debts or losses without? Right. Um, from a pure financial point of view, it, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference because if, if you write off a debt, it is no impact on cash. And if, and if the debt is unpaid, you, you don't receive the cash. So uh, from a pure financial position. But if perhaps you are... You're trying to get a message across, and you're willing to write off the losses, um, especially if the if the owner is is thinking of selling the club at some point. Then you can. It might look a little, a little bit better. Um, Crawley made a profit of four hundred and seventy three thousand pounds in twenty twenty, um, and that was partly affected by COVID. So people are going, well, that's that's quite an achievement. Um, it does appear that uh, the club had. Quite a lot of debt, some of which disappeared, and, and the uh, you know we've discussed before. Banks don't lend to football clubs; it's owners who lend to football clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks as if the owner, who is a guy called Zia Erin, a Turkish guy, um, I, I think he has written off some debts. Um, and I think in an ideal world, he's he, 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 his uh, his period of ownership uh, has 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 uh, has not been has not delivered what he was expecting. So perhaps mm-hmm. he's looking to move on. Um, so it, it, it's one of those things. It's you know six of one and half a dozen of the other. I like the sound of our next questioner as well, Kieran. He sounds. I like him. He's a nice fellow. Um, Callum Day. Uh, question from Callum Day, who says, "What sort of revenue would Spurs have received from the Joshua Usyk fight in September? Is it purely a rental of the stadium, or will Spurs get a rental plus?" Profit share. Similarly, at Leicester, we had a music gig for Kasabian. Le- Leicester fans, I don't know if they've ever mentioned it, Kira, but they are Leicester fans, apparently. Well, they do mention um, it just they, yeah, they, every single interview. Yes, I had half a night out with Kasabian once. They're good, oh, mates wow. with, they're good mates with Noel Fielding. I didn't know they were Kasabian at the time. It was the only problem. Right. It's it only afterwards that yeah, I learned those pleasant, hairy young men were actually in a musical group called Kasabian. <laughs> um, but anyway, similarly at Leicester, they had a music gig for Kasabian over a few nights at the, the state of Kingpin Stadium. But this was the only out-of-football event held in that capacity. Is it commercially worth it to hold such events? No, I mean, I think it was part of Tottenham's business plan, wasn't it, Kieran, that the mm. stadium would be usable 
uh, every night, if possible, for all sorts of events, NFL bands, all sorts. So, is it is it commercially worth it to hold such events? It, it certainly is. Um, what will have happened with regards to the Joshua Nusik fight is that Spurs will have effectively, as, as it says here, they will say we, we, we will give you a rental fee. Now they they can't they can't just pluck a number out of thin air because mm. they know that if they if if they try to charge too much, then you know. Barry Hearn will go to, or whoever it is, will, will go to, um, yeah, go to Arsenal, will go to Wembley and try to get it cheaper. So, so yeah, the the, the, the promote the promoters of the fight they want as many people there as possible. Um, so they, but they will not be held to ransom. Um, when Spurs uh, were were getting planning permission for the new stadium, part of the planning permission will have limited the number of events which could take place. On non-match days, so they will say, "Well, you can spend." You know, uh, in terms of Premier League, Champions League, the two cups. Yet yeah, we we accept that the local council will go. Plus, we will give you a maximum of you know five, eight, ten days because there there are there's there's considerations for uh, local residents. There's you know the, uh, the whilst the football club is responsible for security on. The, the land that it owns, once you go outside of the, the, the premises of the football club, it, it then falls upon the local police force. So you know, th- there's, there's all of these considerations. But the way that it tends to work is that they will say, well, yeah, we will charge you know, six, seven hundred grand, whatever it's going to be, to host the fight. Um, we will then charge the promoter um, for every merchandise stall. So they won't necessarily take a, a share of the cut. They say, "Well, if you want three merchandise stalls, it's it's ten grand rental per stall." Right, right. And the third issue is catering. Now, I think where Spurs are quite clever with regards to this is that they say they say they will say to the promoters, "You get one hundred percent of the profits from the merchandise. We get one hundred percent of the profits from the catering." And yeah. what they tend to do, and this is based. From what I hear from uh, from my neighbour Paul, who's who's a, a big Spurs fan, is that for the NFL matches and so on, they absolutely uh, uh, price up the. I think it's, it, it, you won't get much change out of a tenner for a pint on, yeah. for an NFL match yeah. uh, at, at Spurs Stadium. So so it, it becomes very lucrative. And Spurs are I know that, that Spurs are estimated to make eight hundred grand per match for a Premier League game from catering alone, which which is an incredible wow. achievement. Yeah, that, that's more than the gate receipts that the you know, I would say at least you know, cl- probably close on half of the, the clubs in the Premier League receive from a full season uh, so, yeah, on, 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 an annual, on a match-by-match basis. Now, our penultimate question comes from Jack Bird. Uh, I've probably quite liked Jack Bird as well, if I met him. I probably like most of the people who send questions in, to be honest, Kieran. I'm a likeable sort of chap. Uh, Jack Bird says, if, if a, I think I know the answer to this question, Kieran, but I, I will let you answer it. Um, if a football player is found guilty of an offence that results in their imprisonment and means they can't play for the club, do the club have any recourse to reclaim the value of their player back from the player themselves, or is it simply a case of firing them for gross misconduct and having no more interaction with the player? Um, this will depend upon how long is the um, how long is the the offence, the nature of the offence. I think will be called into play. Um, most contracts will have some form of good conduct clause, um, you know, an expectation by the club that uh, the player will a put put the hours in in training. We, we had this discussion last week yes, about one we of the did. Barcelona players, yeah, um, and b c- conducting himself in, in a way which does not 
bring uh, does not bring harm to the club's reputation. So, in terms of uh, precedence, we go to the case of Adrian or Adrian Mutu, who who signed for Chelsea uh, shortly after Roman Abramovich joined the club, um, and then he tested positive for cocaine. He was sacked, and Chelsea. Um, he was sacked by Chelsea, and uh, he, he went off to play for other clubs. But Chelsea sued him for the transfer fee, and they yeah. successfully won this case. And he had to pay them seventeen million euro. Uh, it took about five years for the case to work its way through uh, various football courts, and, and, and eventually it was resolved by the Court for Arbitration for Sport. Um, ironically, I think at the date uh, he, he lost this case, he was also uh, partway through a second ban. This was uh, this was when he was playing for Fiorentina for taking a, a drug called sibutramine, which uh, is some sort of you know, diet pill, weight loss, which, which probably doesn't do a lot of good type of uh, product. Um, so, uh, yeah, in answer to Jack's question, potentially. Now, I, I think also the clubs have to be pragmatic about this. I mean, Chelsea certainly took a very hard line. Um, if you've got a player who's on a three-year contract and he, you know, he goes indoors for you know, three to six months having conducted you know, some, some, some form of felony, misdemeanor, whatever it's going to be, um, and he comes out and he's in a position where he can still play football, then you know, what you don't want to do is, is, is to get on his wrong side because then you potentially could lose more money. Um, so I think clubs will take a a, a pragmatic stand um, on this. You know, we, we saw we saw Derby County uh, sack uh, Richard Keogh for gross misconduct, yes. and, and he ironically then claimed about the club. But remember, there were two other people, two other players um, involved in the in the car accident, um, and both of those players were retained by Derby County on the grounds of, according to owner Mel Morris, they're much younger and we could actually sell them for a fee. So, mm. you know, pra- pragmatism tends to override everything unless uh, I think Chelsea Chelsea took a, you know, a fairly hard line because other players have been uh, found guilty of consumption of narcotics and have been reprimanded, have been, you know, counselled and so on. It, it, it's I think it's been done on, on, you know, on, a, on a person-by-person basis. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's an issue in the horse racing world, isn't it? There's a, a, a couple of jockeys a year will be banned for a certain time yeah. for taking stimulants. Um, a lot of time it's to do with weight loss for jockeys. But yeah, that's the, the, some trainers will retain their services and some will not. Um, sabutramine, if, if I, when I was a teenager, if there was a, a drug that was based on Subutio, I probably would have. It does, it does sound like it it's, does. it's ground up to beauty players. Um, our final question comes from Matt Riley. And if it's the Matt Riley I'm thinking of, uh, he's the author of a recently released book on football kits called Kit and Caboodle. Uh, if it's not, then the Matt Riley, who it is, is baffled listening to this. Um, <laughs> the other Matt Riley's got a free plug. Um, but it's an interesting question. And this is one of the questions that got me thinking. Matt says, I used to work for a football club in Asia. But seeing what went on behind the scenes soured my experience of watching games. Can you both still enjoy the game as much as you used to, knowing what you do about what goes on under the game's bonnet? And I, I did think about this for quite some time. It's, you know, I, I watch TV shows and I know that the presenter and the producer are wrong-uns. 
but I can still enjoy the show, or more pertinently, hope that it's shit. Um, it's the same with it's, it's, it's the same with theatres. Like I'll go, I'll go to a theatre that I performed at, and I know that backstage it's a chaotic mess, but I'll still enjoy the the show, the play. And it's the same at Palace. I'm like, I know a lot of the people at Palace who manage the club on a day to day basis, and they're really nice, decent people who have the club's interest at heart. So, I, I think the answer for me is it, it hasn't. If anything, it's enhanced my experience, enjoyment of football, knowing that. 90% of the people involved in the game and 90% of the clubs are doing good work. I mean, it's for all that we talk about the negative aspects of football, because that's what we're asked about, I think I've learned enough about the positive aspects of what football clubs do in communities to say, if anything, the, the opposite is the case. I, I, I enjoy football as much, if not more, than when we, before we started doing the pod, I think. Yeah, I'm, I I agree with you. I mean, it. It, it took me. I, I probably took me nine hours traveling to West Brom and back yesterday. Mm. Um, I got stuck on a train on the way back with two Reading fans who oh God, who had, really? th- th- and they were coming back <laughs> from Kidderminster. Oh dear, really? <laughs> so they, um, uh, but they they managed to console themselves with uh, they had eighteen bottles of Corona. Which they managed, to, which they drank all eighteen bottles um, on the journey back uh, from uh, Birmingham Moor Street to to Marleybone, and uh, that's not a, that's not a long. That's only an hour and twenty minutes. That's a good going. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I, I would occasionally have half a bottle of wine on that train, but that's, that's uh, hats off to them. Uh, and and I had a fantastic day out. Um, as, as you said, in, in many respects, I've never been prouder to be a football fan. Because yeah, of um, of the work done by the vast majority of people, and even though there are some, there are some clubs. Well, I talk about clubs that I don't ask, but but now when people say you know, people think I've got a grudge against Derby County, that's absolute bollocks. Yeah, of course, I, I don't like Mel Morris because yeah. I don't like what he's done to Derby County. So yeah, yeah when people say to me, "Ah, oh, yeah, you're picking on Derby," no, I'm, I'm picking on Mel Morris. Because when you when you financially mismanaged a club and, and you gambled with its future, then then you are gambling with the with the hopes and fears and joys of thirty thousand people on a on a, on on a regular basis. Um, so individuals in the industry, I dislike uh, because I don't think that they are football people. I don't think they're in it for the right reasons. But I still enjoy the game, and uh, you know, I, I still take the view that that. Me falling in love with football at the age of you know seven eight, and that's partly down to my uncle Terry and, and my uncle Uncle Tony and so on. Um, that that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I quite agree. Um, but thank you for the question, and thank you for all your questions today. They've been very good. Uh, if you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then that's very kind of you, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. I, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell, farewell, but I suspect it'll be a short one because he has a dirty dog to deal with. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, during, the, during the course of the show, the... <laughs> Um, the Baroness has gone out for a run, and uh, we have a a very talented Finley in the sense that he can open doors. Um, and she didn't lock the kitchen door when she went out for a run, and all of a sudden, I heard this commotion. He went sh- shooting out the back of the house because he, he'd seen a squirrel. Um, he then chased the squirrel around the garden for uh, two or three minutes. 
and uh, you know, the weather has been has been very very wet. And then he came back into the house, um, and it's fair to say that his paws were filthy. And whilst I was at uh, uh, all, I spent all day at West Brom yesterday, and, and I don't want to be reinforcing any forms of gender stereotypes. My, 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 the, the Baroness is, is a wonderful woman in a thousand and one different ways, but she she likes it when I'm away because she likes to have a major spring clean. So she mm-hmm. spring cleaned the house from top to toe um, yesterday, and it was it was you know it was truly sparkling when when I came home. Even I noticed it, and I'm a bloke and I don't notice these things. Um, but uh, I think it's uh, uh, yeah, it says that it's now covered in mud because he, he came in very proud of himself, and and he then decided to run around the house with uh, with his pet llama um, called <laughs> Adam. Adam. Um, <laughs> it's his squeaky llama called Adam, oh. and I and he wanted me to chase him, and uh, that, that was just causing more habit. That um, was a squeak. That was a squeak. Please don't tell me it's Adam the llama, is it? Oh yes, yes. Oh yes. Jesus. Oh, so Sussex. I'm I'm minded. <laughs> I'm minded to ask producer guy to keep it in, but it lasted too long. Just suddenly, I, I laughed for the whole five minutes. Just mid question, Kieran just suddenly went, oh, fuck. and then then I just had four or five minutes of sound effects. Kieran chasing a squeak around the house, going, "You little fuckers!" <laughs> it was very funny. Anyway, Kieran, you're customary farewell. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, yes. Th- thanks for all the feedback. And uh, you know, as we see yet another BAFTA um, fly, fly out of the window <laughs> due to our lack of professionalism. Um, if you uh, if, if you want to support the show in any way, uh, you know, for those of you that support us via Patreon, we, we're very very grateful. It uh, uh, it, it does help us uh, to uh, to keep the, uh, the the geeks happy who who do all the hosting, all that type of stuff. Um, but there's another way that you can support the show. Um, if, if you're listening on Apple and and now Spotify and other providers, um, if you could give us a review, you could give us five stars. It, it helps us in the charts. For, you know, for some reason, we are uh, we do we 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 hold our our own quite well um, in the in the sports charts and the business charts. Um, and it, and it helps us also because we're always trying to get guests to come on to to broaden broaden our knowledge and and also to sort of look at the game from a different angle. Um, so it, it doesn't matter uh, what you say in the these reviews; it's it's the stars that count. So you, you could say it, you, you'd rather you'd rather have it presented by by Novak Djokovic and champion the Wonder Horse, um, and it, it makes no difference, apparently. Um, and I'd probably listen to that, though I'd probably hear more sense from champion the Wonder Horse. Yeah, he's more likely to be vaccinated as well, champion, isn't he? <laughs> yes. uh, bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. I'm for the